NPR. This is the indicator for Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Waylon Wong. So for this last week of 2022, we're replaying some of our favorite episodes from the year. Which is hard because we had a lot of favorite episodes this year. We've done so many episodes. Yeah, like rough estimate. I think we did like, what, like a million? That's That feels low, to be honest. <laughs> yes, it does. But we did it. We narrowed it down. So you are going to hear Adrian and Darian's picks later in the week. But today, here is one of my favorites. It's about how new words make it into the dictionary. That is one of those things I've always wondered about. Me too. So I was really excited to do this episode. Merriam-Webster added over 300 new words to the dictionary earlier this year, and a bunch of these words were econ vocab terms. I have a big soft spot for it. I think it's because we talk about, like, filing cabinets and note cards. I like that stuff. So after the break, we're going to peek behind the stacks and find out how words get in the dictionary. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash grad programs. Ah, the satisfying sounds of more sales in your business. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. But you shouldn't have to pay more to scale your business. With Stamps.com, you can import orders from wherever you sell online. Find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times, and instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers and stock up on supplies. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. To get kind of meta about things, a word added to the dictionary is sort of like a lagging indicator. In economics, a lagging indicator measures something that's already happened. And in the same way, the dictionary captures words that have already entered the mainstream. If a word is new and then grows into the broader journalism, that's when we put it into the dictionary. So we're looking at the language in the rearview mirror in a way. And that will be a new word for many generalists, but an old word for many specialists. You know? and, and if that's true, um, then I think we've got it just about right. <laughs> Peter Sokolowski is editor-at-large at, at Merriam-Webster. And he thinks of words as traveling on a conveyor belt from obscurity to mainstream usage. Editors like Peter are often there at the beginning of the process, observing when a word first starts popping up. We might notice it when the word is still being treated with what I call linguistic white gloves. If, if you always put a parenthesis after and explain, or even in quotation marks, that kind of thing announces to the reader, this is a term that you may not be exposed to up on, until this moment. As you can probably guess, Peter's job involves a ton of reading. And in the pre-digital age, this would literally mean, for instance, he would spend an hour doing R and M, which stands for reading and marking. Basically, combing through different publications to look for interesting words. And the staffers would divvy up the reading. So Peter and his colleagues, they would subscribe to law journals, scientific journals, newspapers from around the country, and magazines, everything from People to The Wine Advocate. 
We want to see everything. We would read soup can labels and restaurant menus because that's language that the public encounters, right? So it makes sense to find the language that's used on the on the labels of, for example, uh, breakfast cereal, and to say, hey, do, do we cover that sense of delicious, you know, in the in the dictionary? So we just kind of observe everything and bring it all back and collect it. Wow, that's it. Must take forever for this guy to go shopping. <laughs> just reading everything. It's like taking every box down from the shelf. It's like, okay, now I need some peanut butter. First ingredient, peanuts. Okay, I <laughs> believe we've used this one before. Second ingredient. Partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. <laughs> Let me check. That is also in the dictionary. Okay. Now, this process of collecting interesting words out in the world used to be a really manual process. Editors like Peter would mark a paragraph that had a new word or a new usage of an existing word. Then a dedicated staff of typists would enter this information on little slips of paper that would get filed alphabetically. Merriam-Webster doesn't print these physical slips of paper anymore. But if you go to the Merriam-Webster headquarters in Springfield, Massachusetts, walk up to the second floor, you will find metal filing cabinets filled with 16 million individual slips of paper. Do you ever go into the file room and just open a random drawer and read read the things for fun? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say we sometimes open the file drawers just to kind of hold our, our coffee or something. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine being the one that like spills on... <laughs> <laughs> These, like, irreplaceable hand-typed cards from, like, 1922. <laughs> Truly, they, there's an atmosphere of reverence here in the uh, the cabinet room. But for, seriously, this treasure trove of citations is still what dictionary editors refer to when they're updating definitions or deciding if a new word should get added. And it's not so much about hitting a specific number of instances as it is about making a professional judgment call. Like, does a word feel like a term that a lot of people know and use in a consistent way. We have more and more and more evidence of each word as the years go by. And then um, we can see maybe this year this word is ready. It has met the criteria for entry, which is to say long-term use and widespread use and, and meaningful use. And by that, I mean that over a period of time, a large number of publications have used the word to mean the same thing. This process where a word goes from specialized to general usage moves at different speeds. You can see the range in two of the econ vocab terms that got added to Merriam-Webster in September, supply chain and shrinkflation. Merriam-Webster dates the term supply chain to 1948. But then, of course, usage exploded during the pandemic. So that's an example of like a jargony word that kicked around for a long time before entering the mainstream. Then you got words that catch on a lot quicker, like shrinkflation, which, by the way, is a, is a kind of inflation where the cost of stuff remains the same, but you get less of it. Merriam-Webster dates the first known usage of shrinkflation to 2013, and it says the economist Pippa Malmgren is often given credit for coining it. I noticed things were shrinking in their packages, so there were fewer potato chips in a bag. There were smaller candy bars. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is that? And I had to make up a word for it because there wasn't a word at the time. And so I called it shrinkflation. And then it just accelerated like crazy. As an economic advisor, Pippa has worked with corporate CEOs and government leaders. And she says even heads of state get annoyed when shrinkflation comes for their candy. Oh, yeah, they all know. <laughs> What's amazing to me is of all the different examples that I could come up with, the one that gets everyone completely outraged are chocolate bars. That's the one they're like, don't mess with my chocolate bar. 
Pippa says what she did was put a catchy name to something in the economy people sensed was happening, but they had a hard time discussing because there was no term for it. Now she's pretty tickled at how this word has taken off. Somebody told me, they were like, you know, there's a Wikipedia entry for your word. I was like, what? That's so cool. And now it's in Merriam-Webster officially, like the dictionary dictionary. (laughs) It's fantastic. And I really encourage everybody to engage in this process of word creation. There's all this phenomena that exists, but there isn't a word for it. And the language is a very, you know, it's a living, creative thing. So we should learn how to make up words that express new realities. You know, last year, our colleague at Planet Money, Greg Rosalski, he came up with the term skimpflation to describe what happens when the quality of a service goes down, but the price stays the same or goes up. We thought, why don't we put in a good word with Peter at Merriam-Webster? I'll make a pitch for skimpflation. Maybe maybe that can make it in at a future date. Absolutely. But... Again, it, it's the, the the secret sauce is very simple. Just use the word. <laughs> you know, if you use the word and then someone quotes you using the word, you know, people will hear it and then others will use it and it just sort of spreads. And then now we've got some evidence and that's the that gets the ball rolling. All right. So we've got our marching orders, right, Adrian? I want you to use the word skimflation in like casual conversation at least 10 times a day from now on. <laughs> skimflation, skimflation, skimflation. No, not like that. You have to like use it in a sentence when you're just like casually talking with like your landlord or like the person down the street or whatever. Oh, yeah. When you're like, you know, on a date and you're like, um, so what's your sign, skimflation? I don't know if this is going to meet the dictionary's criteria for like... <laughs> proper widespread usage. <laughs> Not with that attitude. This episode was produced by Nikki Willette and engineered by Maggie Luthar. Noah Glick checked the facts. VLA is our senior producer. Kate and Cannon edits the show. And the Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing, like not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.